This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Hey, everybody, it's Seth. We have our first sponsor today, and it's a fantastic gentleman named Alex Hillman, good friend of mine. He released a book earlier this fall called The Tiny MBA, 100 Very Short Lessons About the Long Game of Business. It's all about business and sales and why people buy money and success branding and marketing, professional decision-making, investments, dealing with your clients, and for those who don't know Alex, he started Indie Hall. I think it's one of the first, or if not the first, co-working spaces in Philly, as well as in the nation, if not the world. This book is fantastic. It is 107 pages full of great knowledge. You can get through it in a half an hour, but you're going to want to go back again and again. You can pick this up at socl.bz slash tinymba. That's socl.bz slash tinymba. I can't put it down. You won't be able to either. Check it out. SOCL.BZ slash TinyMBA. Thanks, guys. And thanks, Alex, for sponsoring the show. You're listening to the Digital Marketing Dive Podcast. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 18 of the Digital Marketing Dive Podcast. I'm Seth with Goldstein Media, and with me is always the amazing, talented, uh, we, can't, uh, we can't leave out, Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass. I like that one the best. Kick-Ass. Shannon of Diam Business Consulting. Hey, Shannon, you ready to rock and roll? Absolutely. How you doing, Seth? I'm doing awesome. And today, I'm so stoked. There's Amanda Natividad, right? I said that right? Yeah. Amanda Natividad is Director of Marketing for Growth Machine, a content marketing SEO firm, and she's going to talk to us all about how content and having a content strategy is crucial to online, your success online with an, and an SEO. And I cannot speak tonight, and I apologize to everyone who has to listen to me. I'm super excited about this. You have no idea how many small business owners and entrepreneurs need exactly what you are doing right now. And so this is fantastic. I'm so excited to be able to pick your brain a little bit for them. Yes, exactly. And so Amanda and I know each other from a group called Swipe Files, which is Corey Haynes. He'll be on the show, I think, next week, maybe. We, the best always comes first. Don't tell Corey that, but you know, <laughs> Corey's on next week. But um, we met on, on Swipe Files, and Amanda's just 
become a hard and fast friend. You know, we 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 talk to each other. We rem- we kind of talk about our our parenting struggles with our little crazy little boys, and it's fun. But Amanda, you've done quite a bit. Not only are you a mommy of a two year old, you were a journalist. Mm-hmm. Now, journalist to content strategist and all that kind of makes sense, and it's kind of a direct line. But, it, but your line went like this. And for those who are listening to the podcast later. Let's picture a major jump and a spike in the, in the thing. You went from journalist to chef. I repeat, to chef. And you should see her, if you follow her on Twitter at Amanda Nat. oh my God, it makes you hungry. All her, <laughs> all her great dishes, oh my God. So she's, she's the real deal, people. Then she went, so she went from journalist to chef to content strategist and SEO maven. So that is impressive. So what's, what's the lineage? Tell us your tell us your life story. We can start with college only because I do think it could be interesting and it's relevant. Yeah. I, I had always wanted to be a magazine editor. That was like, as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. So I went to college to study journalism, to study mass media and journalism, and was so set on doing that. Um, and then I graduated, got a journalism job. I worked at paidcontent.org and gigaom.com. I did. Yeah, so the original digital media and tech news blogs. So I got to, you know, work with some amazing teams there uh, and and learn kind of how to run a newsroom and how to, you know, work with other journalists. And then a couple of years in, I just kind of felt like I wanted to do something different. I wasn't sure that I was the right fit for journalism anymore. I kind of knew the skills that I needed to hone to up-level there. But I think at that point, I, I was just looking for a change. So at that point, I decided to go to culinary school. I a um, change. It's definitely a change. change. <laughs> yeah. At La Cordon Bleu, they had this newer program that was geared towards people who worked full time. So I still got to keep my day job. I worked all day, then would oh um, go to school at night. Um, and I was thinking about that. It was, I mean, it was tiring for sure, but I was so much younger and I was single. I mean, I didn't have a, I didn't have a kid, so... <laughs> Because yeah. I guess exhaustion is relative. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's 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 relative. It was like a physical tiredness, but yeah. because it was very different, working nine to five um, at the computer and then putting on a culinary student uniform and then cooking in a kitchen and collaborating real time with other people and running around and doing a lot of physical work, doing that for five hours a night. It was physically tiring, but it was also just a lot of fun because it was what I wanted to do. And it was just a very different kind of environment to be in. So I did that for like a year. I think it was school for a year, all nine months of school. Mm -hmm. And then kind of geared up to quit my job and be fun employed and figure out what I wanted to do in food media or food tech. Um, Yeah, I forgot. There is a, it's not exactly a, there is a lineage here. You can kind of go from there. All right. All right, cool. Sort of, yeah, yeah. So then I Fun. I ended up interning at the Los Angeles Times Test Kitchen where I got to, you know, work in the kitchen. I would and what was really cool about that was one, at the LA Times, every recipe that they publish, they test at least twice because they they make sure that you can actually replicate it in a kitchen. So if you ever needed to do a recipe blind, like not knowing if it's good, you can definitely trust LA Times. And then, and then from there, you know, when I was looking for a full-time job, I knew that I wanted to work with work in food. I, I was pretty certain I didn't want to um, be a traditional chef, like work in a restaurant and everything. I just feel like that's, a, I mean, it's amazing work, but 
I don't think I'm really cut out for that kind of life. Um, and then ended up working at a company called Nature Box, a subscription snack company. Oh, cool. yeah oh yeah good um yeah they had a they had a content role um well i i actually well i cold emailed them first i was researching a bunch of food tech companies and i cold emailed them and was like hey you guys seem like a really cool company i love what you're doing you're making healthy snacking more accessible to people i think it's a great mission um and at the time they were like you know we're not hiring right now but stay in touch and it might change in a couple months and then they did like they, and then a couple months later we got back in touch and they ended up hiring me to run their blog and help awesome. their media channels. And then that led into where you are now, right? Yeah. Or, yeah. Or you, 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 did, you did more than just that. Didn't you right, work at right. Fitbit? Yeah, I was at, so I was at nature box for almost two years. Um, and then, you know, I think at that point I was pretty set in continuing a content marketing career and figuring out what I really wanted to be doing in marketing. Um, and then the opportunity at Fitbit came along and it was, uh, it was super interesting because it was the, uh, the opportunity to join their B2B marketing team, very, very early stage. Nice. Um, so I was like the first hire that their head of marketing made, uh, their head of B2B marketing I was tasked with being content. And I think my approach there to content marketing kind of sets the stage for what it is now, even though this was several years ago. Everybody knew what Fitbit was, so we didn't really have organic traffic goals. It wasn't that wasn't the goal we had with our content. The goal that we had was, can we educate our users or prospects, I guess? Uh, can we build awareness about what we do? And then can we how can we show that we deserve to play in this B2B space? So a lot of the content that we did was focus on giving it to an existing audience. We already had a lot of inbound leads coming in, like people, from an HR and benefits calling us and saying, hey, do you guys do a corporate wellness program? Can you please? Like those were the people we sold to. So content was very different in that particular role. So we used content to power our event strategy. Uh, we created white papers and guidebooks for demand generation. Um, I worked really closely with the PR team on, you know, uh, sourcing original research and third-party stats to incorporate into the news that we were telling. Mm -hmm. um, and then after a couple of years there, we then we launched the blog. It, it, it wasn't something we did first. Oh, wow. And then, so how did you find your way to growth machine? And what, and what do you do with growth machine now? Yeah. Uh, how did, I mean, like I, I had been following Nat Eliason's work for quite a while. Nat Eliason is the founder of Growth Machine. I, I had subscribed to the Monday Medley, which is his newsletter. Um, and then just been, you know, keeping up with the Growth Machine marketing podcast. Thought it was really interesting. And when I saw that he was hiring, you know, it seemed like a great opportunity. At a time, I, I was at a different company at this point, I was, but I was furloughed because of COVID and, you know, was thinking of oh, Wait, so you've, so you've only started a Growth Machine while you're in COVID? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So like the expectation was I was supposed to go back to my previous job. But when, you know, this opportunity came along, I knew I had to apply. I was super excited about it. And when I met the rest of the growth machine team, I loved them and I really wanted to work with them. Um, and then I remember calling my old boss and I was like, I have a job opportunity. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, and he was like, I, you should take it. Like, we're furloughed. Like, knows what the hell is going on right now. Exactly. Yeah, you're furloughed and it sucks and I'm sorry, but like you should take that. Sounds like an awesome job. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, you, so you left on good terms. So yeah. yeah. So, so this actually goes into a good question here. I know a lot of people are wondering how people are surviving kind of semi, when I would say post-COVID, but like mm -hmm. 
you know, we're all emerging out of our bunkers, out of our little holes, and we're like blinded by the light. And I, I know you're a parent, and you're also working a full time job, and I'm mm -hmm. sure your husband works a full time job, and you have a younger one too. So it's like, how do you manage all? How do you balance doing all this content, being the director of content for you know a content strategy firm, and you know, but you put out videos. You you're there. You're here. You're you're literally everywhere, which I think is fantastic. How do you manage to do that while you're in the bunker, essentially? Like, yeah. like how's that been for you? First, I really appreciate your saying that, and it's very kind of you. <laughs> um, I, I've been through it too. I'm in the, uh, you're in the middle of it. <laughs> um, I mean, the, the real answer is I don't do everything. Like there is so much that I don't get to accomplish in a given day or in a given week. I have a great husband who is a great partner to me. We we tag team like all day. Like just now, I when I joined this call, I was with our son in the kitchen hanging out. And then my husband came down, tagged me out. You're like, right. you're right. Here's your kid. Yeah, like, here, take it. Oh, gotta go. Um, so part of it is that I'm not as productive as I'd like to be. Mm -hmm. But a couple of things that I kind of live by are I make sure I, I really hyper prioritize sleep. Like I make sure I get like at least seven hours of sleep and I, I get seven hours a night, which is pretty good. Um, yeah. I wake up early to work out because that's kind of like my me time. I, otherwise, I won't get to do it. And then I use that time in the morning to kind of like set an intention, like figure out like the one or two things I need to accomplish that day. Um, I check my email and like my social media feeds. Um, and then it's it's really pedal to the metal from like 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. each day where I'm powering through as much work as I can get done. Um, I yeah, I, I try to lean into um, um, certain creativity flows. Like if I feel like writing one day, um, I'll try to write as much as I can in that time frame. Like maybe it's preparing a couple of Twitter threads or preparing the newsletter for Growth Machine that week. Um, and then I'll and then like in the afternoon, like when my kid's napping, I'll use the time to do other things. Like we have a webinar tomorrow morning, so trouble. So I, you know troubleshooted with with the zoom customer support to make sure like they didn't have any broken you know pre registration making sure it's always fun yeah, it's, always it's always fun always a blast never works out properly but you know yeah, it's always fun yeah so like finding those spurts and then yeah. you know and I, when we are done with this interview i'm gonna tag in my husband and then after that make dinner and then we'll put the kid down and then probably back to work until or maybe take a breath Maybe. <laughs> so a couple exactly. of things about what you just said. First of all, thank you for your authenticity. You know, we are all out here yeah. dealing with all of this stuff. And it's so easy, especially people who are prolific on social media to kind of look at that and, and think, how, how in the world do they do that? Right. So mm -hmm. I really appreciate your authenticity and just giving credit to your husband and your team and all of that good stuff. And I think that that's the key takeaway for COVID for a lot of us is that we aren't in this by ourselves and linking arms and moving forward together, right? And that's yeah. that's the way we're all going to be successful. So I very much appreciate that. And I love the idea of leaning into that flow and what that looks like, because I do the same thing, you know, like if I... Am I feeling very creative? Trying to force myself to do something else at the same time is mm -hmm. ridiculous when I could just batch a bunch of creativity things. And so I think that that's very much key. Do you batch other things as well? Or is it more just in that creativity flow? 
I try to batch what I can. That way it's at least like, okay, cool. I've written a couple of promotional pieces for this webinar. Like, great. I can kind of set that up and like not think about that for now. Um, I do that. And then, yeah, I, I think overall I, try, I, I do try to bucket similar tasks. Sure. Because um, then maybe I'll spend like an hour um, making sure certain modules on the website are working correctly or that we have, you know, landing page, uh, certain pop-ups working correctly, stuff like that. A lot of it is just accepting the fact that I'm not as productive as I was in a pre-COVID world. <laughs> I gotcha. I understand. Yeah, we all get that. Absolutely. <laughs> well, how do you guys do it? How do you manage yourself and your day? Yeah, how do we? That's the question. <laughs> Literally, um, I, I did a lot of handoff, right, Chad? I mean... Yeah, well, I, I have a great team, which is super helpful, but I do... Um, my days are set up for certain things. So Mondays are a lot of internal team building stuff, like the what needs to happen inside Diam. Tuesday and Wednesdays are a lot of networking and and catching up with clients and that kind of thing. Thursday and Fridays are more tasks to do's, proposals, that kind of thing. It. So there's yeah. the more I can keep focused on a specific theme, the better I do because I'm all over the place. If I can't keep focused, mm -hmm. I'm bouncing from thing to thing and I, I lose, I lose. Yeah, that's in my afternoons. Yeah. I am still trying to figure out my afternoons. My mornings are meetings and appointments, like appointments. I put that in quotes because the same thing. They're Zoom right now. But like then afterwards, you know, afternoons tend to be a lull and I'm, and I'm slowly trying to figure out, is this to put out fire time? Is this like, like helping Shannon with her email system? Like, you know, <laughs> all helping out people with stuff because I'm the, the head of the company. So I'm able to kind of offload stuff to people. But it's a matter of, you know, I love to talk to Shannon a lot and I love how she departmentalizes as best as she possibly can for days. And she, she's like, That's the key. As best as she possibly can. Look, it's all we can do. All we can freaking do right now is say, all right, all right, today sucked. All right, tomorrow, you know, it's just the way it is. So, well, and I think ahead. it's also important, right, for all you small business owners and entrepreneurs out there who are doing this, or in, and even professionals, right, to understand that making tweaks is what's going to happen. We're not going to flip a switch and it magically, like, we're able to do it all, right? And this is the perfect schedule forever. It's, it's making those tweaks day by day by day and, and plugging that in. Would you agree, Amanda? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, so tell us a little bit about Growth Machine. We know it does, we know you guys do content strategy and marketing and SEO. But like, what do you like? How do you help small businesses, entrepreneurs? Like, this, you know, our, our main audience is small business, mid-level businesses, and entrepreneurs that are crazy. Mm -hmm as foxes as we are, you know, that love, you know, <laughs> love the freedom, but also love get stuff done. And one of the biggest things I see when I'm doing web design, I'm like, you guys have to have a blog. You guys have to have a content strategy. And they're like, what? I have to do X? I have to do Y? Oh my God, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to, and they start panicking, like deer in the headlights. They're like, oh my God, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? And mm -hmm. so how do you, number one, help people get past that, that Phobia, I guess is what it is, a phobia of writing content about their business. Because, like, I always bump into it saying, you guys know your business better than any of us. Mm -hmm. Like, even if we write it for you, you're going to be involved with the writing of it because we can't just post something about a medical device. You know, we can't, literally, because that's something that needs to be 
FDA approved and stuff. But I'm saying, like, how do you help people and your clients get past the phobia of getting their ideas down on quotes paper? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good question. We are an SEO and content creation agency. What does that mean for the small business or any business, right? It yeah. means, you know, we create content for you that will help you rank on Google, that will help ultimately help grow your organic traffic. And as your traffic grows over time, it opens up and create, well, it creates a new pool of customers for you that ultimately makes your marketing efforts more sustainable over time. So when you, when you, when you mentioned, you know, the fear of getting, of, of publishing for us, it's, we are the ones doing the keyword strategy for you. We're doing the writing and editing and ideally the publishing for you. Truly ideal for us is we run your blog for you so that you don't have to think about it. Like that's, that's really what we do. This works especially well in, in consumer facing products or honestly, just any kind of niche for which there is demand for that content. As far as the fear of writing about the business, we typically don't write about the business specifically. We write about the topic or the industry that they're playing in. So for instance, if we were working with a wellness and nutrition company, we would be writing about articles related to their keywords. Let me get more specific. Let's say there is a keto food product company and they come to us um, to do their content for them. Well, we would create a content strategy that would get them to rank for words related to keto. So things like, what is keto diet? Um, keto snacks. Stuff that we know that people are searching for. Sure. We, we look at the, the top ranking content on that. And then we basically try to write better content than that. That will help that website uh, rank better over time. So let's say you're selling this specialized keto product. And let's say our first article is going to be, what is the keto diet? That might be something where that company would say, wait, that's too basic for us. We don't want to rank for that because the people that we want to sell to are people who are already aware of the keto diet, which totally makes sense. However, what we say to that is, well, you, you are, your product is related to keto. So people in general are going to be searching for this. And also having this kind of content will help to, over time to increase your authority, your domain ranking, because it's specific to what you to what you sell. Um, and that over time, you're just going to be getting more traffic and building up that pool of customers and educating new people along the way. You know, a small business owner is looking at all of the things out there, right? The digital marketing, all of that, the blogging, the social media, the posts, the, and it's like, there's so much, right? Why, what do you say, like, is, is blogging, if they're going to start someplace, is that the best place to start? For a, a company that's trying to prioritize marketing efforts? Yes. It depends, right? Like, you know, many years ago at Fitbit, that wasn't the priority, the sure. priority was we already have a bunch of inbound leads, so we need to create materials that support them, which means sense. creating certain white papers and certain playbooks, things that we could just directly give to them. So that was an instance in which that made more sense for us at the time. In general, I do think focusing on your SEO is a, it's a good idea because it'll ultimately make your marketing more sustainable. But it also, it, you know, it also just, it also depends. I mean, I think... There are also industries or sectors in which it might not make sense to focus on SEO. 
for instance, on the Growth Machine blog, we don't we don't focus on content on writing about SEO content that's going to rank in large part because the SEO has been around for, you know, 10 plus years. So there's a lot of competition there. And um, so for us, the priority is educating our existing audience, educating small business owners and marketing leads, people who probably aren't searching for content marketing terms, right? Like a small business owner who cares about content might not be thinking, oh, how do I use Hrefs to find the top keywords for my niche? They're probably not thinking about that. They're probably thinking more about how can I grow my traffic? Can someone do it for me? So a lot of our content addresses those points. It's stuff stuff like, well, here's how to choose a marketing agency if you're thinking about it. Um, Here's when you know you might be ready for link building as if you want to pay for link building. So we do try to focus more so on those sort of pain points. Awesome. Let's take a quick break and let's thank our sponsor, Breezy Masks. So much of us have, of what we've done has changed because of this pandemic. So we're still dealing with it and masks still need to be worn. So just because you need to wear a mask doesn't mean you have to be uncomfortable. The whole idea of a mask is that you want to be able to breathe with it on. So Breezy Masks have silver nano protection, which keeps the COVID out, but they're breathable and lightweight. And the best of all, except for in the winter, Nothing's fog-free in the winter, but during the time that we're in now, unless you're in Alaska, they are fog-free. So they have two versions, the Exchange, which is five layers of protection with the silver nanotechnology. There's a sport one, which is for good for the athlete or people who like to go out for walks. And it's more breathable. It's two layers of protection. So check them out over the show, show notes or on the website. Also, Shannon, next Friday. I know. It's a big day. So wear those masks to yeah. our event in yeah. Indianapolis. We are having a live small business um, event, and it's very, very exciting. We are having it digitally and in person. So is it the Noblesville Cohatch? And um, we are have four great speakers. It's, we're working to work with small business owners to set them up successfully coming out of the pandemic actually and to a new economy. And so there's, um, we have someone on sales, we have someone on operations, we have someone on marketing and we have someone on, what am I missing? Finances. So really effectively setting a small business owners up to not only move forward into the market, but to thrive and to really, really move forward um, successfully. So join us. There is, like I said, a virtual option. The link is in the show notes. Absolutely. So let's just go right into it. Amanda, let's talk about link building. Yeah, you, have all, you have all this great content you have, and now you've got to drive links to it. Because you know, we all know that as much as a lot of us dread going out and saying, hey, can you link to our content, please? You know, some people like doing that. I'm not one of them, you know, but it's like one of the things we have a question here. We send out to all of our guests. And one of the things we wanted to talk about was link building. I was like, yes, finally someone who actually might actually like the act of link building. And because a lot of times when you build it, it's not like feel the dreams. They don't always come to your content, at least not right away. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about link building and how you, you guys help the entrepreneur and the small business owner and the mid-sized business owner? get that there's links to vote. Can you first explain what link building is? Totally. Link building is the, is getting people to link back to your site. (laughs) That's basically what it is. Um, For it to be impactful for your SEO efforts or for your website, you want those links to be editorially relevant 
to your content. I think in general, link building kind of gets a bad reputation because people have the sort of older mentality of it, which was many years and maybe eight plus years ago. There many was a like hundred years in the internet age. <laughs> right. But like, you know, several years ago, link building was in this sort of spammy place where people were paying for links. People were paying to get listed on directories. And it was like, hey, if I give you $20, will you link to me? Stuff like that. That is not how you should do it. A friend of mine, Cameron Jenkins, who is a content lead at Shopify, she likes to call it link earning, which I, which I, which I think oh, is really yeah. nice because it's the idea that you should be creating content that is valuable, that is useful, that people actually want to link to. And that's really what you want at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, when you are asking someone to link to you, it shouldn't be, hey, please, can you link to me? Ideally, it's, hey, you know what? I, I love your site because I, I keep up with you in this space and I really love this thing about what you're you know, what you're publishing. Um, and you know what, I published an article that's actually really relevant to something you said recently. And I'm hoping you wouldn't mind linking to it. I think your readers would find it relevant. I think they'd find it useful. And if you are creating valuable content, they, they you know, should agree. So link building is a service that we provide for our clients. And that's basically how we make those asks. We make the asks on your behalf, mm-hmm. especially after we have created all this valuable content for you. We do have some general guidance on like, might you ready for link building or when it's right for your business for somebody who's running content on their own or running it in house. Like one thing I like to say is when you have operationalized your publishing efforts, like once you have that down pat and you are publishing once a week, twice a week, whatever that is, um, then you're probably in a good spot to be link building because then when you're reaching out to people and they're checking out your site, they're going to see, oh, there's a ton of relevant content here. And like, that's, it's not some random person asking me. And they really do care about this topic at hand. And they'll be more likely to link to you. That's awesome. Now, one of the things coming from the SEO space myself and dreading link building, like I've always tried to write good content. I share on social media and slowly I go to a slow approach for link building. I'm like, they eventually the links come, but because I don't ask. So I have to wait longer. But um, what's your success rate? I mean, I'm not asking for exact percentage number unless you want to give one of people actually coming back. Because when people ask me, hey, I did this great link, you know, this great thing. And even if they ask really sweetly, I'm like, I don't have time for this. Like if, if, if they have to catch me at the exact moment in my day, my kid's not screaming at me, a client's not screaming at me, my computer's behaving properly. And I'm not doing client work that I'm willing to say, oh, that actually is good content. Like, how, what's your success rate on people saying, well, that is really good content. I want to link to it. Uh, I mean, that's tough to say. I don't, we can comfortably commit to placing several in any, any given month yeah. or so. That's helpful. My, my concern is people, I, I see people out there all the time saying, oh, I'll get you, pardon my language, a crap ton of links, you know, to your article. And I'm like, really? Give me three. Three quality ones mm-hmm. over like I don't want a hundred crap ones. Like they're like, oh, yeah. there's this domain authority. Like, I get this all day long saying we have kind of, we can do link building for you. Domain authority ten. I'm not even going to what domain authority is. It's really inside baseball here. But like this good authority, this good authority, this good authority. And I look at the sites and I'm like, I've never heard of that site. Now if you tell me like I'm gonna get you a link on Gigaome or I'm gonna get you a site on you know on CNN, I've heard of those sites. Hell's yeah, let's go. But I, 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 
it's it's a game. I feel like almost. Yeah. It's kind of game I, of- I mean, that's why I say several because like we're ne- we're never gonna come to you and say like, oh yeah, we can get you fifty links each month. Like we don't we don't know that. <laughs> exactly. So love it. So, what tips do you have for small business owners who are maybe not prepared um, or not at a place yet they can't hire you? How can they effectively write those blog posts um, until they get to a point where they can turn it over to a service like yours? Yeah. So we we do have a number of services that are, you know, helpful for more budget conscious people. We do have a free course on our website. It's a free SEO course, uh, seven part email course that teaches you the basics of SEO. And it's a, it's a great, it's a great course. Nat Eliason made it and it is, it it helps you, you know, it's, it's a, it's a guide to setting up your website, like choosing a host, setting it up, figuring out your initial keyword strategy, creating a spreadsheet to organize all of it, and then executing on it. Um, there's also some guidance on promotion and distribution and some of that link building stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do have that. And I think it's also a good way for um, new entrants to just kind of get a lay of the land sure. where like, if you're very, very new to this, if nothing else, at least you'll get a sense of what you should be doing sure. or you know what's kind of expected. Um, we also have a service called the Writer Finder. It's the writerfinder.com where um, we will source uh, a writer from, from our database for you. We have, I think at this point, over 6,000 freelance writers who we vetted and have they have done at least some SEO training. So they're, they have, they're mindful about writing for SEO. And so if you're looking to hire a freelance writer, and you have maybe a certain budget in mind, you can input in, in, in the writer finder, like, oh, here's my budget for per article. Here's what I'm looking for. And then we're usually able to come back to you with it, with recommendations. And usually the turn, turnaround time is just a couple of days. We have like a short list of at, at least two to three writers who we think would be compatible with what you're looking for. Um, and then from there, you know, you can manage the relationship yourself. That's awesome. That's awesome. So Amanda, where can people find you online? Yeah, I mean, people can find me at Amanda Nat on Twitter. Um, and then, you know, on Growth Machine, we have Growth Machine on Twitter. It's at Growth Machine underscore underscore. Um, and then really check out our content on growthmachine.com. We have a blog and some good resources there. Last one. And we also have the Growth Machine Marketing Podcast. We publish it's fantastic. Oh, thank you. I, work I, really I listen well. to it religiously <laughs> and I'm a fanboy, you know, but I, and I, I enjoy your whole approach to podcasting and all that, but like, it is really fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. I really do try. I, I do a lot of research on each of our guests and I really do try to make um, content strategy and how that fits into marketing just more accessible for people. So hopefully people find it to be enjoyable conversations. It's not too long either. It's like 30 to 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's great. I, I love it. And also, she puts our show notes to shame. She actually has timestamps in it. And I'm like, yeah, wow. I'm not doing that. I love you know, she it. She has like, timestamps of topics. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm very impressed by your show notes, Amanda. So. That's super nice. Thank you. <laughs> so we'll have a link to that as well in the show notes. And I, it's all, all the different podcast directories I found. So that's a good thing too. So anyhow, I guess let's wrap this up so you can get back to your little rug rat. And I can go <laughs> back to my nutball eight-year-old. And Shannon can have dinner because she tends yeah, to have dinner. After. This is <laughs> always dinner, dinner time for me. She's like, yes. I'm going to have dinner. So there you go. <laughs> well, this has been so much fun. Yeah. Reach out to us. We want to hear from you guys. Reach out. You know, you can reach out to our guests, Amanda Nat, over at Amanda Nat. Amanda Natividad over at Amanda Nat. So I got, I got the right direction there. Like I said, I can't talk tonight. So, you know, it is what it is. 
reach us out to us on all social media channels. You know, we're Digital Marketing Dive, most of them, some semblance of it. We want to shout out Breezy Masks for keeping us covered in the craziness of 2020 and 2021. We want to thank Alex Hillman of the Tiny MBA, who was the pre-show ad, and check them both out as well. Also, if you're enjoying the season, please give us a review, Apple Podcasts or the podcast directory of your choice. We appreciate all the, all the support. Also, check out Podchaser. Podchaser is a nifty little place that isn't just for the elite Apple users. And nothing against Apple users, but you know, it's, it's, it's more of a place where everyone can go and we give us a review over there. That'd be awesome. And you, know, you can always reach out to us at hello at Digital Marketing Dive. And we do have a community community.dmd.fm and we hope to see you on there maybe we'll even get to chat with the famous amanda this has been fantastic thank you so much for coming and sharing with our audience yeah thank you shannon thank you seth it was great to talk with you guys yeah this is so much fun all right we'll see you guys next week all right bye bye This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.